Today we continue our journey through the Gospel of Luke. And for the past five weeks, we have been journeying with Jesus. As he has moved uh, closer and closer to Jerusalem, uh, we've been following the stories and the healings and the teachings that he has uh, shared as he moves closer. And today we uh, move with him to the last stop on his journey uh, to Jericho, where he'll be before he goes up and enters Jerusalem with the Parade of Palms. And so today we're going to hear three stories that take place um, in Jericho. Uh, they are all linked together because they all have to do with themes of sight and how Jesus invites his disciples and his followers and by extension all of us into deeper seeing, a deeper knowing, deeper understanding of the kingdom of God. So let us open ourselves and listen for the word of God. Our reading today is from the book of Luke, chapter 18, verse 31, through chapter 19, verse 10. Then Jesus took the twelve aside and said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the human one by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked and insulted and spat upon. After they have flogged him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise again. But they understood nothing about all these things. In fact, what he said was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard a crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Then he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who were in front sternly ordered him to be quiet. But he shouted even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, praised God. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the human one came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of God for the people of God. 
Will you join me in prayer? Oh, gracious God, as we continue our Lenten journeys, open our eyes to new ways of seeing you, our ears to new ways of hearing you, our hearts to new ways of feeling you with us, and our feet to new ways of moving forward. We pray this in your name, O oh Christ. Amen. Well, every year I go to my optometrist for my annual checkup. I've worn contacts since I was in my 20s, and if you've worn contacts or, or glasses, you know the drill, right? You go into the office, you sit in the chair, and one of the tests they do is they put your face up to this machine, and then they ask you, what's the smallest number or smallest line of letters that you can read? And then they begin to uh, flip the lenses on the screen. And they'll say, which one looks better? Which one is clear, A or B, A or B? And they do this over and over again, honing in on your prescription. Sometimes the changes are really radical and it becomes much clearer. Other times they're much more nuanced. But the idea is the same, to give you clearer and clearer vision. In many ways, I think this is also the journey of faith. That throughout our lives, as we live and grow and experience new things and undergo new teachings and learn uh, new stories and about life and the world, that our vision becomes clear. We learn more and more about who we are and who God is and how we're called to live in the world. Hopefully, it's a process that lasts our whole life through. Well, in our story this morning, Luke is a bit of an optometrist. He, uh, throughout this whole journey to Jerusalem, he has been dropping story after story about inclusion, justice, compassion, as if to say, is it clearer now? Is it getting clearer? Clearer. How about now? And this morning's stories are no exception. There's three, and they are linked together by the themes of sight. In the first one, Jesus even starts speaking to his disciples with the word see. He says, see, we're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that I've told you that's going to happen is going to happen. This is actually the third time that Jesus has given a prediction of his passion, where he says, I'm going to be handed over to others. I'm going to be uh, mocked and killed. And yet still, the disciples do not see. It says they can't understand. The meaning is hidden from them. They don't grasp it. Even though they have been with Jesus all along, even though they've been hearing his stories and seeing his miracles, they still can't totally understand it. And in many ways, I don't, I don't blame them. I love them because they're a foil for us, because we are so often on the journey of faith. And even though we journey and we learn and we try to learn, there are so many ways we still don't get it. In part because sometimes you need hindsight before you understand everything, but also because sometimes we just don't want to see it. We don't want it to be true. And I think this is the case for the disciples is, Jesus talking about suffering and death, it's like not at all fitting with their idea of who Jesus is or who they want him to be or what a Messiah should be. Messiah should be triumphant, not suffering. 
And yet over and over again, Jesus has tried to say that it's the way of compassion. It's the way of caring for others. It's a way of suffering. And still, they don't fully understand. And so, I wonder how often for us, we don't see things simply because we don't want them to be true or they don't fit with what our experience has been. I heard one commentator this week uh, liken this part of the story to the whole idea of climate change. That for decades we have had people beating the drum and saying, you know, the earth is heating up, the waters are rising, we have to change our ways. And even though we hear it, we still can't fully see it. We still can't fully comprehend. It's not what we want to be true. And in many ways, we still haven't radically changed our lives. And it's only going to be in hindsight that we realize, oh my goodness, this was happening all along. And so the question that this asks is, how can we, how can we see? How can we ask God to help us see some of these things that may be hard to see, that maybe we don't want to see, but that we need to see? Well, Luke then changes the viewer again. He gives us another story about sight to try to make it a little clearer to us. And ironically, he starts with a blind man who is sitting along the roadside on the way into Jericho. And it's the blind man who actually sees who Jesus is. So the blind man has a double curse in many ways. He's He's blind and he's a beggar. He's economically poor. And you may remember that in that society, often um, medical conditions uh, like blindness were often seen as a result of sin. And so that society probably thought that he had done something wrong to deserve this. And so both literally and figuratively, he is pushed to the margins. Um, that he is ostracized from his society. And so even though this man is the one who is, has no sight, he's the one that actually has the most insight. Because as he hears the crowd coming along and says, who is this? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. He calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It's the first time in Luke's gospel that Jesus is called a son of David. It's a messianic title. As if to say that it's the blind man who realizes this is the one we've been waiting for. This is the one who brings healing and wholeness. This is the one who can help me. The blind man sees, and yet all the crowd sees, is this man from the margins making a scene, shouting at the top of his lungs, and so they just try to shush him. Stay quiet. Instead, he shouts even louder until Jesus stops and says, bring that man to me. And when he comes, he asks Jesus, uh, what do you want me to do for you? The man could have asked for anything at all. Instead, what he says is, let me see again. The reality is he already saw what was most important. He saw who Jesus was. He saw that Jesus could heal him. He saw that Jesus could bring him back into relationship. And Jesus saw this too. And he heals him and he says, your faith has made you well. 
Some translations also have your faith has saved you. It's a word that means healing, wholeness, wellness, salvation. In other words, this man is restored to wholeness. He is restored to right relationship with God and with his community, with himself, and he begins to glorify God, praises God, ends up saying he follows Jesus, he becomes a disciple, and the whole crowd sees it and praises God and transforms, is transformed. In other words, it's the blind man who sees Jesus. Jesus sees the blind man. The blind man asks for sight. Jesus sees the need and heals him. And the whole crowd sees it and is transformed. And I think it's this little glimpse into the kingdom of God that is this, it's this relationship of inclusion and justice and mercy where all are connected and all are working for each other's well-being and wholeness. And so I think this part of the story invites us to think about where are we in this story? Maybe we're the ones on the edges aware of our blindness calling out for God to have mercy on us. Maybe we're the ones in the crowd shushing people who we think are being too loud or making a scene or don't need to be heard. What voices are being silenced right now? I was thinking about this in light of the shooting in Atlanta this week, which at least at this point indicates to a hate crime against Asian Americans. And hate crimes have been rising against Asian Americans all this last year. That people have been starting to cry out and say, God, have mercy on us. Don't you see what is happening? And so I wonder if we can really see what's going on, if we can really listen to these voices that have been on the margins and listen and hear what is really happening with racism and white supremacy and violence in our society. What would happen if we could really see this and act upon it? Finally, Luke uh, changes the viewer once again. Are you seeing clearer now? Here's one more way to see clearly. And he tells the story of Zacchaeus, who at first sight seems about as different from the blind beggar as you can get. He is a rich tax collector, somebody who skimmed off the top and lived high on the hog, but because of that was also pushed to the margin. He was ostracized from the community. A Jewish man who worked for the Roman Empire and skimmed off the top, people did not like him. And yet the story begins by saying Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was. He's trying to see, not just see Jesus, but see who Jesus was. He's trying to understand who is this man coming into town who eats with sinners and tax collectors. And so risking ridicule and indignity... <laughs> He runs and climbs up a tree, hoping probably just to get a glimpse of Jesus. And yet instead, Jesus really sees him. He stops just below the tree. He looks up. He calls Zacchaeus by name and says, come down. I'm coming over to your house tonight. 
And Zacchaeus comes down and welcomes Jesus into his home. Once again, all the crowd sees is this man who eats with sinners and tax collectors. And this sinner who somehow now has Jesus in his home. And yet when Jesus goes into the home and Zacchaeus says, Look, I am giving half my possessions away. And if I have defrauded anyone, I'll give them back and more what they owe. As if to say, I am already living this life. I am being transformed. He sees what needs to be done and he And Jesus sees what he is doing. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. It's the same word, healing, wholeness, wellness, has come to this house. Because Zacchaeus is experiencing that wholeness again. Not only through his own acts of generosity, which benefit not only him, but his community and those around him. But also because he is restored into relationship again that the crowd and others can see his generosity, put their judgments aside, and welcome even him, the oppressor, into the realm and the kingdom of God. And so again, I wonder how this speaks to us. Maybe we are Zacchaeus. Maybe we are the ones that are needed to be called into a new way of living. We're listening for God to show us how We can make sense of our lives and gain more meaning out of our lives. Or maybe we're more like the crowd, trying to learn how to not be so judgmental toward those we don't understand, whom we haven't pinned down their whole story. Wherever we find ourselves in the story, one thread seems clear in the midst of all of these. God is longing for us to see more clearly, longing for us to see more of the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of inclusion and justice and compassion and mercy and love. And that when we do those things and experience those things and understand those things, our lives get that clearer focus. But to do this kind of scene is also hard work because it means a willingness to take off our blinders, to admit we have blind spots, to put away judgments or assumptions that we have toward others, to acknowledge that we may not have all the answers, to ask for help, and to understand that at the end of the day, we're probably just as lost as everyone else. Yet God longs for us to see. And God comes to each of us, I think, saying, what do you want me to do for you? So what would happen if we said, and we prayed like that blind man did, let me see again. Let me see. Let me see you, oh God. Let me see your will for my life. Let me see me as you see me. Let me see you in my neighbors. Let me see you in my friends. Let me see you in my enemies. Let me see you 
in the need of the world around me. Let me see you in the blessings I have been given. Let me see how I can share my blessings for the good of all. Let me see a new way forward for my life. Friends, I think God calls and longs for us to experience this new way of seeing. So what do you need to see today? May the God of healing and wholeness open our eyes and guide us in a new way forward. Amen.